Welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Steve Piasecki Podcast. Dead Stripper is the first book in the Steve Piasecki series. But a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and the depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, into Chapter 14 of Dead Stripper, when we join Steve and Jess together, in bed, in his apartment, both still glistening with coital perspiration. And suddenly, there's a loud knock on the door, and things start heating up. Scene 45. You look much Around noon Baltimore. at the Jefferson Court Apartments. A bottle of tequila and two shot glasses are sitting on a bedside Tell table. Me about Zamani. The bottle's almost empty. Jess and I are in bed together, halfway on top of each other, breathing heavy and perspiring. I catch my breath, then take the end of the sheet and wipe a few drops of perspiration from my forehead. You're pretty good at this, she says. I've done it a few times before. I roll onto my back. She cuddles up next to me. A TV sitting on top of a bureau just past the foot of the bed, and an episode of The Blacklist is playing. Police, open up! Is that the TV? Just says. I lift my head and look at the screen, but don't see any police action. Police, open up! And now comes a loud pounding on my front door. Police, open up! What the fuck? I kick off the covers and roll out of bed. Stoop down and pick up my t-shirt and undershirts from off the floor, then start putting them on quickly. Hold on, I'm coming. What should I do? Jess asks as she sits up in the bed and looks at me. Get dressed while I find out what's going on. Then I shuffle out of the bedroom and walk down the hallway to the front door. I open the door and see a white male and a white female standing in the hallway. I have no idea who they are or why they're knocking on my door. Stephen Piasecki, the female asks. Yep, I'm Detective Bishop. She displays a badge and tilts her head in the male's direction. And this is Detective Gerber. He flashes a badge. We're with the Delaware County CID. What can I do for you? We'd like a minute of your time, just, you know, to go someplace and talk. About what? It's concerning Miss Rita Forsythe. Who? We contacted Uber headquarters and understand that you picked up Miss Rita Forsythe two nights ago at the Babes and Toyland Topless Club on Columbus Boulevard. Ah, right. That must be the stripper's real name. Correct. And from there, you transported her to the media station apartments. Is that correct? Yeah, but what's this all about? Did something happen? You could say that, the partner says. Is this about the bouncer? That's what we're trying to clear up, she says. Scene 46. 40 minutes later at CID headquarters in the media courthouse. I'm sitting on one side of a table inside a small interrogation room, and the two detectives are sitting across from me. Just tell us what happened, the male detective says, and you're free to go. No problem. I picked her up at the Babes in Toyland Strip Club on Columbus Boulevard, then I drove her home. We already know that, the female detective says. Now we're trying to get a better understanding of what happened between you two. Nothing happened. I drove her home. That's my job. And then I dropped her off. That's it. Are you involved with her, she asked. What are you talking about? Romantically, the male follows up. You know, are you sexually intimate with her? <laughs> What's so funny, he asks. I never saw her before she came out of the club that night and started walking toward my vehicle. Plus, I'd never get involved with a stripper in the first place. 
Why not, you a fag? <laughs> Did I say something funny? Nothing you said so far is funny. I'm not trying to be funny. Len Bravo, you're succeeding quite well. And just like that, it hits me. They're working on some sort of hidden agenda. Look, I'm done talking. But we're not done talking to you, he says. We tell you when you're done talking. Well, when this chit-chat started, you wanted me to tell you what happened, and then I was free to go. So I told you what happened, but that wasn't good enough for you. Now you're trying to hard-ass me. This is bullshit. I'm going to remain silent from this point on. I wish to speak with a lawyer. Look, Stephen, the female says in a voice that's suddenly full of compassion. We're just talking among ourselves. You know, the male detective interjects, man to man. So let's just keep talking, she says. Once lawyers come into the picture, everything turns into a shitstorm. Things turn confrontational. And when things turn confrontational, he says, we start playing hardball. We book you to get what we need. You don't want that, Stephen, she says. Do you? Scene 47. Five minutes later. I'm still inside the same interrogation room, but now I'm alone. My friend, I say to my cell phone, thank God you answered. I always answer. Bullshit, but I don't have time to argue. You Ubering? I wish. Look, I need a favor. Like what? I'm in jail. Ha ha ha. Seriously, where are you? No shit. I'm in fucking jail. Are you serious? Yep. Why? No fucking clue. I was in my apartment an hour ago, in bed with Jess. Nice. Yeah, yeah, please. Just listen. Go ahead. Someone started pounding on the door. As it works out, it was these two detectives. They said they just wanted to talk to me. They drove me down here to the courthouse and media and started asking me questions. About what? Something must have happened to that stripper. Because once they got me down here, they started asking questions about her. I still have no idea what this is all about. They won't tell me shit. And now they're pretty much holding me against my will. What are you going to do? That's why I called you. I need a fucking lawyer. Scene 48. At the same time. Detectives Bishop and Gerber are sitting in the chief's office. So what's the story, the chief asked. He admits, Detective Bishop says, to picking her up and driving her home. But now he quit talking and asked for a lawyer. I know he's a drug dealer, Detective Gerber says. He's got that look. I think we can turn up the heat and get him to spill his guts. Then we can find out where this fentanyl shit's coming from. That would be nice, the chief says. But everything sounds circumstantial so far. Yes, sir, it is, but we'll get enough to hold him. On what? Reasonable suspicion. Reasonable suspicion of what? Possession, intent to distribute, sales, you name it, he did it. With a little pressure, we'll get him to give it all up. Where does it stand now? We let him make a phone call, Detective Bishop says. On one of our lines? No, on his cell phone. So we don't really know if a lawyer's going to show up or not. Good. He's not under arrest, so we don't have to provide him with a public defender. Squeeze him. See if you can get him to crack. Scene 49. Two minutes later. I'm sitting in exactly the same place in the interrogation room. The door opens and the detectives return. The female takes a seat across from me and the male remains standing. Listen, Stephen, she begins. We're trying to help you. <laughs> yeah, sure. You think that's funny, her partner says, then takes a step toward me in an aggressive manner. You're a wise ass, aren't you? Relax, Gary, she tells her partner. I'll handle this. He backs off. We can get some of your charges reduced, she says. What charges? I glare at her. 
Just tell us who your supplier is and we'll go to bat for you. We'll protect you. Stop right there, comes a man's voice in stern tones. My eyes shoot toward the door and I see a man standing in the doorway. He looks to be around 50. He's wearing a three-piece suit and holding a briefcase. Come on, guys, he tells the detectives. You can't talk to my client when I'm not in the room. You know better than that. We didn't know, she says, that Mr. Piasecki had retained representation. Now you do. He points toward the door, so hit the pipe. She gets up slowly, then she and her partner open the door and leave the room. The man waits for them to shut the door, then he looks directly into my eyes. Bernard Wall Esquire, at your service. Your friend Mike informed me that you were in some sort of jam and needed a lawyer. Damn, my friend came through. I get up on my feet. Thank God. We shake hands. Have you been interviewed yet? Yes, sir, twice. The first time was about an hour ago. Then they let me call my friend. Uh, they let me call Mike. And then they came back two minutes ago and started playing good cop, bad cop. Feel free to drop the sir. Bernie works fine. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, Bernie. Much better. I have a lot of experience working with this pair, and they're usually square shooters. She was a cop, and he was the one hard answer. I get the picture. But bear this in mind. They're real good detectives. If given the opportunity, they will nail your ass to the cross. I understand. So don't help. I understand. Did they Mirandize you yet? No. Good. So if you let anything slip, it's inadmissible. Bernie, I don't have anything to let slip. Then please, tell me what this is all about. No clue. They just showed up at my apartment around noon and knocked on the door. I'm an Uber driver. They started asking me questions about one of my riders from two nights ago. Something must have happened to her, but they never told me what. Other than that, like I said, I got no clue. Now let's get them back in here and find out what's going on. But first things first. Like what? Would you like me to represent you? Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, yes, Bernie, definitely. Do you have any cash on you? A few dollars. Give me something to make it official. I reach into my pocket and pull out some cash. I peel off a 20 and hand it to Bernie. Is this enough? More than enough. He takes the money with his left hand and shakes my right hand with his right hand. Scene 50. A few minutes later, Bernie and I are sitting on one side of the table. His briefcase and yellow legal pad are on top of the table. The detectives return and sit on the other side of the table. Let's not fuck around, Bernie says. Pam, what's going on? I'll tell you what we know, Bernie. You take it from there. Fair enough. Lay it on me, baby. Your client here is an Uber driver. Two nights ago, he picked up one Miss Rita Forsyth at the Babes and Toyland Tapas Club on Columbus Boulevard in South Philadelphia. I see. Bernie makes a note on the legal pad. So we're talking about a stripper here. Always won the sugar coat, the male detective says. Bernie ignores the remark. Next. Your client, she continues, then transported Miss Forsyth to her place of residence at the media station apartment. Ah, media station. Bernie makes another note. That's where I lived after I finished law school. Which building? Building A. That was my building. Bernie makes another note. It sits on top of the hill. I know it well. He turns his head toward me. Young man, do you agree with what's been said thus far? Yes, Bernie. Next, Bernie says to the detectives. Miss Forsyth, the female continues, did not report for work the following day at the strip club. Correct, she says. Subsequently, two of her fellow employees went to media station to check on her whereabouts, but they got no response from inside her apartment. Then, with some assistance from the manager, 
two local officers found Miss Forsythe inside her apartment, in the bathroom, in the bathtub, dead as a doornail. Dead? I said. Just the right amount of surprise, young man. Perfect reaction. Not overdone, not underdone. Perfect. He then addresses the female. What was the cause of death? It's listed as an accidental drug overdose at this point. Why just at this point? The medical examiner's office has yet to perform an autopsy to make it official. Has the autopsy been scheduled? Yes, it's scheduled for Monday. Thank you. The way I see it, you have absolutely no grounds on which to hold my client one minute longer. Not true. We believe Miss Forsythe obtained a quantity of legal drugs from your client, and we believe they were the drugs that killed her. What evidence do you possess to support your wild accusations? This is an open investigation, and since your client has not been charged, whoa, save the ham-handed footwork, Pam. You got nada and you know it. Otherwise, you'd already have my client in the lockup. We have enough to hold him, the male detective says. On what charges? Reasonable suspicion. Bullshit. You don't have the slightest sniff of any suspicion, let alone reasonable suspicion, so don't make me laugh. Bernie turns his head toward me. Young man, did you supply drugs of any kind to this stripper? No way. Will the police find any evidence to incriminate you? No way. Case closed. Bernie picks up his legal pad, puts it inside his briefcase, and closes the briefcase. Now let's get the hell out of here. Always the jokester, the male detective says. Bullshit, Gary. This is no joking matter. Not one judge on this planet would bind my client over for trial on such flimsy innuendo, and you know it. And that's the end of Chapter 14. Join us next time for Chapter 15, when Steve and Bernie are leaving the courthouse, and then Jess picks Steve up, and he has to explain to her why the cops banged on the door and dragged him away like that. Join us next time.